Okay, so uh, the epiphany, manifestatio, it's a manifestation of who Jesus is last week. This week, another manifestation of who Jesus is. Okay, we have um, in this an even more sort of profound or pronounced um, uh, telling of who Jesus belongs to. Namely, we have him being baptized, we have a voice from heaven, and a dove representing, of course, the third person of the Trinity. So we have the entire Trinity revealed today, or, you know, in the, in the gospel from today, uh, at the baptism of the Jordan. And so Jesus is revealed as God's beloved Son, right, the second person of the Trinity. Now, we kind of are going back to Advent because we're hearing about John the Baptist and his baptism of repentance, right? So Jesus getting baptized in today's gospel is not about how we get baptized, or it's not the same baptism, the sacramental baptism that we celebrate. It was this baptism of repentance that all of the other, well, lots of the other Jews were submitting themselves to, right? John the Baptist comes and he says, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare for the Messiah, you need to repent. So part of that act of repentance is coming to the Jordan and receiving this baptism of repentance. That's why when Jesus gets there, John looks at him and says, you know, what are you doing here? You don't need this. John knows Jesus very well. You don't need to repent. Why are you submitting to an act of of repentance. This is the, que- the first question we need to answer for tonight. You've probably heard me say before, or I have said before, that although God did not cause sin, He didn't cause evil, He clearly, in creating all things and creating free will, giving us free will, created the conditions by which those things could occur, evil and sin. And while he could have redeemed us in some other fashion, he chose to enter into our existence. God became man, Jesus Christ. And in a way, this is what I've said before, he takes responsibility. Even though he doesn't have to, he takes it upon himself to redeem all of humanity. And so this act of repentance is very much like that, or it's very much in that vein. That here is God who doesn't need to repent, who doesn't need to die, who doesn't need to suffer, who doesn't need to become man, certainly. But here is God becoming man, Jesus Christ, sort of taking all of us or all of our sins upon his shoulders and entering into that baptism of repentance, doing for us what we cannot do perfectly for ourselves. For our acts of repentance are always imperfect in some way because we're imperfect. But if there was one who is perfect who could make an act of repentance, then that act of repentance would be perfect. And so Jesus takes all of us, all of our sins, into that Jordan, into that baptism at the Jordan, and repents for all of us. Jesus did not become man, God did not become man, to just teach, to heal, 
to just tell us about how God loves us. We already knew that. It's all in the scriptures about how God loves us, about how God is faithful to us, about God has made this covenant with us. The reason God became man was to forgive sins, the primary reason. Now, he did other stuff, but the reason he became man was to die on the cross and forgive sins. That's the whole thing. That's the main thing. This is why, you know, even people would say, well, he's just a Jesus great moral teacher. Yeah, it's not what he claimed to be, and it's not what he came for. He came to die. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, I've said this before too, but I just keep repeating the same thing. Hopefully you'll remember it as I do. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, the, the only man ever to be born solely that he would die, Jesus Christ. So his existence as a human person and God was so that sins could be forgiven. Now, what he also does is he transforms baptism into something more. So baptism still is a, has attached to it the forgiveness of sins. Anyone who's baptized, all of their sins are forgiven. You know, and if you have a little baby, well, they don't have any actual sins, of course. But if you have, you know, an old guy, like, you know, if Deacon Richard got baptized again, <laughs> it would clear the deck, right? Baptism clears the deck of every single sin, completely wipes them away. So baptism is still intimately connected with repentance and forgiveness. But, of course, it's more than that. And, and sort of in the largesse, the, the main thing to remember about baptism is we are brought into a special relationship with God such that we can become like God insofar as His grace dwells within us. We become adopted children of God. We become like Jesus. And so this gets me to the second point that I want to focus on today is baptism is about transformation. And not just the transformation of the forgiveness of sins, but the transformation of the, the entirety of the human person, not physiologically, but in our essence. So that we can become more like Jesus. And if we're going to be more like Jesus and his primary mission, that means we have to look to become People who are forgiving. And how often does Jesus talk about being people who are forgiving? Not judgmental, not gossipy, not greedy, not, right? He focuses on people who are forgiving. He focuses on that kind of the most. How important that is. And yet how hard that is. Everybody here has a hard time forgiving. Everybody here has, has had to do that or hasn't quite done it yet, right? Usually in our life, there are a certain number of people we've, we've forgiven, and sometimes it's taken years, and then there's all these other people we haven't forgiven yet. Or maybe it's just one, but there's definitely that category. And it's hard. And people ask me often, Father, how do I forgive? How do I do this? Every single one of us has been wronged. And some of us have deeply, deeply been wronged. How do we forgive? The first thing is, I'd like to point out, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. There's a difference between, you know, me forgiving somebody who wronged me and being back into sort of a full relationship with them. God offers us that. 
so that when our sins are forgiven, we're also brought back into right relationship with him. But there are some people in our lives that that would not be appropriate to do. And sometimes, you know, trust has to be rebuilt. Sometimes certain people are are just not good for us for a variety of reasons. We can still forgive them even if we won't reconcile the relationship completely. So to forgive somebody doesn't mean we let them back into our life completely. To forgive somebody doesn't mean that we trust them completely. To forgive somebody doesn't mean that we forget everything that happened. We we have to be prudent. Now, the next thing to look at here is that forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness on our part is toxic to us. When we don't forgive, it's not toxic to them, it's toxic to us. And yet how often we'll hold on to that lack of forgiveness, ah, there, I showed them. They don't know. They're living their lives. It doesn't bother them at all. It's toxic to us. You've heard the adage, holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right? When we don't forgive, that person and those actions just continue to live in our heads. And they, the ones who have wronged us, are actually, unbeknownst to them, exerting a sort of power or control over us yet. Forgiveness is about us letting go for ourselves. This is why Jesus, whenever he talks about forgiveness, he talks about the benefit for us. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Every time we pray the Our Father, we're telling God, forgive me to the degree and extent that I forgive those who have wronged me. It follows then that if I don't forgive those who have wronged me, I'm telling God not to forgive me either. Jesus talks about all of the blessings we will receive if we forgive. That's what he says. And so the reason to forgive is mostly because of what it does for us. Look, I'll share with you, I mean, I'm not going to share with you all of the details, but I have been wronged horribly in my life. And I know I'm not the only one. Many, many occasions. And I know that there are plenty of you because I've been here long enough to hear some of the stories. Some of us have been greatly, greatly harmed. How do you forgive when you have that much pain? How do you forgive when you don't want to forgive and you know they don't deserve it? The focus has to come back to why should I forgive? Not for them. It has nothing really to do with them. What I've been able to figure out is it has to do with me. And I have found more freedom in my life by forgiving than maybe anything else, any other thing that has given me freedom. Letting those things go. Again, it doesn't mean reconciliation. It doesn't even necessarily mean that I tell them. But I forgive them so that I can be free and that I can receive God's blessing. How do we do this? The motivation should be clear. The divine revelation about it is clear. 
we all, I think, have an interior understanding that, boy, it'd be great if we could forgive. A couple of things. Number one, we have to control our thoughts better. Our thoughts always lead to our emotions. And if we keep thinking about it or him or her and keep hammering ourselves with it, it's going to affect our emotional state. We have to control our emotions. We have to stop allowing them free reign in our, in our minds. If we can, if we can grow our empathy, there's always a reason why somebody behaves the way they do. We know that. And people who do wrong, there's always a reason they do that as well. And very often, if we knew the story, and if we knew their story, we would fully understand why they are the way they are and, and maybe why they treated us in that fashion. And so if we can extend ourselves into that space to actually say, you know what, I'll bet there's, if I knew more about them, I'll bet I would understand why. It doesn't mean I like it. it doesn't mean I'm going to reconcile. But it, it, it's going to make sense if I knew more. Pray for them. Now, this is tricky. Because you don't say, I'm going to pray for Chris, that he stop being such a jerk, that he finally shape up, you know, with his life. You know, because that's sometimes how we pray. We, we pray so that God fixes the other person the way we want them fixed. It's not going to be helpful because we're still just not forgiving. We're not letting go. So when we pray for those who have harmed us, all we do is announce their name to God and ask that God bless them. That's pretty hard sometimes in itself. But what that is is an act of charity toward them. And it's an act of love. And the more that we make conscious acts toward the good, toward lovingness, the more that that's going to transform the way we think about the past situation as well as that individual. We can pray that they also find forgiveness. Ultimately, what we have to remember is that God wants everyone with him. Even the worst, even the worst, God wants all of us. And that every single one of us and every single person, even the worst that we can think of, God is willing to forgive. As difficult as it is for us, to be like God means to allow ourselves to be transformed so that we can forgive as he does. Now ultimately, this means great freedom means great freedom for us in our lives and letting go of all of that pain and negativity. Please stand.